This is George Newbern, the voice of Superman, and you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. There is an alien among us. A superior being from a place called Krypton. Deep in the heart of the city, he watches for signs of danger. Ready to act on a moment's notice. His true name is Kal-El. You know him as Superman. Maybe you ladies haven't heard about me. The future of Metropolis is in the hands of the Man of Steel. Get up. He's gonna be busy. I said get up. Superman. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to episode 288 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our social media accounts, it's Liam. Liam, we uh, took a, a week off to celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday here in the States. Well, we didn't really take a week <laughs> off. We we still gave. It is the season of giving. And we did provide a uh, bonus episode last week with uh, with taking a week off from our standard fare. So it wasn't truly a week off for us, but uh, a week a break from the norm, I guess, uh, as we did not review an episode. But we are back at it here, and we have a very special celebration, a joint celebration, in fact, one that you've dubbed uh, maybe the most stupendous name in the history of podcasts, I dare say. I like to think about it. People are calling it the dumbest name they've ever heard. <laughs> it is none other than Aqua Phantasma here on the show. <laughs> uh, should we explain why it's Aqua Phantasma, or are we just gonna are we just gonna kind of roll through with this? I I don't I don't know. <laughs> we're just, we're just Part of me thinks it's funnier it. to not explain. <laughs> But no, you well look, we uh, as we often do when there's a new uh, DC live action movie uh, coming out, we try to uh, have an appropriate review or two to go along with it. And uh believe it or not, there's an Aquaman movie coming out this month, uh, at least in the original time that this episode airs, December of 2023, there's an Aquaman movie coming out. And so we thought we could uh, work in a couple of weeks of Aquaman themed episodes. And then uh, this mar- month also marks the 30th anniversary 
of the Batman Mask of the Phantasm animated movie. And we've got uh, a couple of weeks of uh, of episodes that will uh, look back at that movie some 30 years later as well. So uh, that being the joint, uh, our two characters, the Phantasm and Aquaman coming together in one Titanic month, we felt we had no choice but to dub it the aforementioned Aqua Phantasm month. Ah, there's no better explanation, and you will not find another podcast celebrating Aquafantasm Month. Definitely not Aquafantasm Month in the way that we do. The first uh, and only Aquafantasm <laughs> Month celebration. Ah, <laughs> uh, but I don't know that it'll stick around as a tradition. But uh, if the fans demand it, uh, we could return next next year with this. But let's see how the first annual uh a celebration goes here and uh to kick things off liam we uh we have saved one of the uh maybe most memorable episodes which we are reviewing uh of superman the animated series for just this occasion and we kick things off this month with a review of the superman the animated series episode a fish story not a christmas story i think you dubbed it maybe a a fishmas story would be uh would be appropriate based on the month but no it's a fish story and uh this episode originally aired back in eight, uh sorry may may the 8th of 1999 meaning we just celebrated the 24 year anniversary of this episode's original debut here in the states and Liam before we get into our Review of this and official IMDb synopsis, we will once again remind listeners at home, if you would like to participate in the podcast, we encourage you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, specifically if you leave a five-star review and leave a little blurb about the pod, we'll go ahead and uh, and, and read that out. Uh, whatever your comments are about the pod, and then we'll send you a little thank you gift if uh, if you get in touch with us to uh, to to say thank you for leaving the review. So uh, head over to Apple Podcasts, or if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we you don't get a a wrapped, you don't get a Spotify wrapped if you listen on <laughs> Apple Podcasts. So it's the least that you can do. Uh, and uh, leave a five star review, and uh, again, reach out to us. We'll go ahead and uh, send you a little gift ski if we read it on air. No new reviews this week, but Liam, we will get into our official IMDb synopsis here for this week's episode, which is of course brought to you by the Pod Tower. Head over to YouTube.com/slash the Pod Tower today and subscribe, and not only will you get the entire catalog from Tim Talk, which reviewed every single episode of the DCAU review. You also get the official catalog of the Jump on the Batwagon podcast, which is currently reviewing Superman, the animated series. Don't think they've made it this far to, uh, to a fish story yet, but they are certainly well on their way. And then uh, you also get our entire podcast library all in one convenient location, streaming exclusively on YouTube's channel, youtube.com slash the pod tower head over today and subscribe. Absolutely. So this is the synopsis for a fish story, which was uh, written by Rich Vogel and Hillary J. Bader with a story credit by Alan Burnett directed by Shinichi Suji with music by Lolita Ritmanis and animation by group TAC and Jade animation. <laughs> we'll mm. get to them. Mm. We will get to them. But first, we have the synopsis, and that synopsis reads as such. Lois and Jimmy investigate a series of bizarre marine animal attacks. 
wait a minute that can't be it that's all it is oh my word no not inaccurate but uh lacks uh lacks depth this that wouldn't even be good enough for a blurb on uh you know on the jacket of the book much less a uh a full synopsis but that's where we come in cal and uh what better way to start than uh, uh you know we're on a boat <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, starting things off, we have Lois and and Jimmy, that uh, the world's the world's horniest photographer. Uh, he's taken some pictures of uh, of some wildlife out on Bibo Biboski's boat, and uh, Lois, uh, who is sporting a brand new fashionable long sleeve t shirt outfit that she has never worn before. <laughs> Uh, on this show, but it still has her trademark purple accents on it, is uh, they're asking Bibbo about some uh, wildlife attacks uh, that apparently have been reported. Bibbo mentions that in his 40 years on the water, that uh, he's never heard of such a thing and never seen such a thing, and it's scared a whole bunch of fishermen off, apparently. And wouldn't you know it, uh, just as Bibbo walks off to get some cold cans of soda he uh he he misses all the action as a bunch of flying fish appear and uh boy do they actually fly and uh also as as they appear and and jimmy is wowed by them they knock his camera out of his hand into one of the attached fishing nets how did clark manage to miss out on this smallville's got a problem with seasickness Says the only waves he can stand are amber waves of grain. Whoa! Awesome! Ow! Ah! You got the camera? I'm lucky I got my fingers. Hey! That was close. antenna was also damaged i guess in the jostling not the not the highest quality radio antenna so they can't even radio for help as bubo points out but luckily thanks to one of our favorite episodes of all time superman's pal <laughs> dollar in the bad episode jar mm-hmm. uh we have uh we have a way for for jimmy to uh to contact superman by setting off the watch alarm which uh which calls for superman uh, we did mention, by the way, Clark was supposed to join them, but Lois makes a crack that he's uh, suffers from seasickness, and the only the only waves that he appreciates are the amber waves of grain, which I thought was a a funny line in and of itself. Superman is quick to respond and is uh, there just in time to not only save uh, save Jimmy, who was a a part of the the uh, who was fell into the water, seemingly lost forever. Superman uh, revives the craft from, from sinking and uh, begins to <laughs> begins to take on the whales. Uh, these whales jump so high. I, I 
like and defy gravity so much and then bang their heads into each other uh superman's quickly i guess turned into like mo from the three stooges and the he he just moves out of the way in time for these guys to bonk each other's heads which uh it you know is uh is uh enough to i guess to rescue everybody at this point because the, the marine life seems to leave them alone at this point uh However, of course, Lois and Jimmy are somewhat shook from the uh, from the attack and believe that there's more to this story. So what do they do? Uh, Lois decides to go and investigate by speaking with a marine biologist. And it's uh, she picks of all the marine biologists in Metropolis. She just happens to pick the one that is uh, loosely affiliated with Lex Luthor, as we'll find out here shortly. behavior is very complex, Miss Lane. During mating season, for example, they exhibit all manner of bizarre behavior. Since when is attacking ships a mating ritual? The whales who attacked you were probably protecting a calf or an expectant mother. Taken in context of the marine world, there's really nothing unusual going on. Yeah, right. Are you really saying... I'm sorry. You'll have to excuse me. No rest for the wicked. Lois believes there's more uh, to uh, to the story there. And as she and Jimmy are leaving the parking lot, they she recognizes a limousine that is parked. And uh, as they drive through the parking lot, so this causes Lois to uh, go back inside and tr- see if she can find out more about just what is going on. As she enters back into the building, who does she run into, Liam? But of course, Lex Luthor. <laughs> Absolutely. So as she uh, as she runs inside, she, as you said, makes her way through the uh, the bowels of the building and comes across uh, this very loud banging sound. And uh, very quickly, she uh, she discovers the source of that banging. It's a uh, it's a blonde fella floating in a tube of water it's it's aquaman mm. and uh quite a bit of different aquaman than we've talked about on this show very much the classic aquaman as we'll talk about but uh as we uh, as we come back from break as she's discovering that uh the doctor and a a very large man who also looks a lot like aquaman <laughs> you have two very large blonde men with the same haircut in this episode but uh yes well that i'll try to save the rest of these for visuals but yes uh lois and aquaman are captured and luthor instructs the doctor to take them further inland uh to try to uh to stop whatever's going on with the marine life attacks and also uh to keep uh to keep everything quiet with what's going on with them experimenting on aquaman but uh, once Lex finds out that uh, they've also taken Lois, uh, Lex is very frustrated, pointing out that anytime Lois Lane gets kidnapped, that's like a neon flashing sign for Superman <laughs> to get involved. He's watched the show, so he knows. Speaking hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> of watching the show, I, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but mm-hmm. I have a, uh, a fan theory that Dr. Cardi here, who is the marine biologist in this mm-hmm. episode, uh, he is solely responsible for obtaining the shark that, uh, this is my fan theory, <laughs> the shark that floats in the tank in Lex Luthor's uh, office. And this is how these two became familiar with each other uh thus leading to this odd friendship because what other reason would lex Luthor have to be friends with a marine biologist or associates with a marine biologist i mean come on yeah it doesn't really uh, based on what lex is doing in this episode there's no real reason that like 
a doctor <laughs> needed to be involved because he's just blowing stuff up as we find out mm-hmm. uh, doing weapons tests i don't think you need a marine biologist for that but hey he's got he's got this guy on the payroll and uh, once he finds lois involved he decides uh none of this is worth the struggle and uh, tells them to get rid of both aquaman and lois and so they drive to a nearby uh, garbage dump and they're going to uh, execute them summarily but thankfully aquaman's uh, powers which really strains what i've always understood uh what what's considered marine life or sea sea creatures yeah i don't seagulls being sea creatures are that's a big stretch right i mean there's water nearby but like they come pretty far inland i don't i don't know that they count as uh marine life in the same way sharks and squids and things we see in this episode do what a marine biologist study a seagull is the question like they like yes they're they're ducks they're like (laughs) right they're like sea adjacent like does that mean that he can like control algae like does he control does he control like the microbiological biological creatures that right. like what what else what else can he control because in my mind it's like sharks fish octopus seahorse yeah like I guess, <laughs> right i guess we see turtles and like a walrus that are also going crazy earlier in the episode so i guess <laughs> walrus just... is no i i draw the I... line at walrus nope <laughs> the walrus just hates jimmy Olsen. <laughs> No, I mean, I mean, they clearly made him right. Aquaman be able to control him, but I, in my in my Aquaman set of powers, no, I draw the line at walrus. No, sorry. <laughs> can he control frogs too? Because right. the water, like alligators, like what else can he well, control? Yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, tur- turtle, sea turtles would suggest reptiles, which opens us up to whichever. Uh, right. Whatever is it, crocodiles or salt water, or the other way around? I don't know. Anyway, we'll we just... need a marine biologist. <laughs> is anyone here a marine biologist? Someone let us know all the things that Aquaman controls in this episode, and if there is precedent for it. <laughs> Specifically, the birds, though, that's the one that really uh, that really got to us, as mentioned, as Aquaman calls on the seagulls to distract the two thugs, and uh, he and Lois are able to take them down, including Lois, just just killing one she kills this man by dropping a motorcycle she she like (laughs) jumps the motorcycle and punches him with the front tire uh that man is dead he did but uh she and aquaman escape on the motorcycle for a bit being uh chased by luthor's security force thankfully luthor's security force despite him being like a private businessman and he's always about like not letting anything tie back to him. They just have the giant Lexcorp logo on their chest. Don't get me started with what these guys even were for this episode. But yeah, <laughs> but yes, they're uh, they're chasing uh, Aquaman and Lois, uh, and uh, Aquaman tells Lois to drive off a cliff. Get me, Luthor. Need trick back there. I communicate with the creatures of the sea telepathically. There's not much time. I need to get out to the blast site. These guys have something else in mind.
and uh, Lois does it by golly. And Lois Lois answers the the uh, the age old question, which was if a strange man that you met just moments before <laughs> told you to drive a motorcycle off a cliff, would you do it? And the answer is yes. Apparently, so uh, they do. And uh, as the as the security men look down, they're preparing to open fire on Lois, but then they see a shark in the water. And despite the fact that they're dealing with Aquaman and that all this marine uh, marine life has been acting so strange, they just decide, well, the shark's going to eat her. And uh, they so they don't uh, they don't fire on her. And it does appear as we end that act of the episode that Lois is swallowed up by the by the giant shark. Although at the beginning uh, of the next act, we see very quickly that she's brought back to the surface and that uh, the shark was uh, was once again aiding Aquaman. And uh, as as he's uh, explaining to Lois that he has uh, he has armies of of sea creatures surrounding them, Superman finally uh, shows up. He uh, briefly interrogates the two goofball thugs. Wait, before and- we continue, we have to talk about the hilarity. Superman knows about this because Jimmy Olsen oh, spills the beans to Clark back at the Daily Planet about this scenario in which he was driving Lois's car around the parking lot, which is. A weird comedy detour that feels like it came out of nowhere. Like Jimmy Olsen, who only has a learner's permit, is forced to drive Lois's car around the parking lot of this stick shift. Yeah, it's a stick shift. Grinding the gears. He's struggling with it. He can't find a parking place in the uh, the parking lot of the Marine Biology Center. And so he's driving around. Uh, somebody keeps honking at him because he can't double park. And then he ends up uh, nearly and actually uh, colliding with uh, Lex Luthor's tanker truck that's carrying Lois and Aquaman out of the parking lot, unbeknownst to Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy's not able to get Lois on the car phone, the comically oversized car phone that he has uh, and uh, or that Lois has in the car. But uh, he gets he has a minor fender bender with the uh, with the the tanker truck who keeps on driving. And then this forces Jimmy into a lane with the uh, the spikes up. It's an entry only lane. So the Mm -hmm. spikes up, they blow Lois's tires out. And then uh, Jimmy has to go confess his sins to Clark at the uh, the Daily Planet, which gives Clark uh, a bit of a bit. Uh, his radar goes off that something may be afoot when he learns that uh, that uh, Jimmy can't get a hold of Lois and that uh, she was last seen entering this strange marine biology center, thus leading right. to eventually Superman catching up with and realizing that, that there was a Lex Luthor connection all along and tracking them down. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, Superman arrives, interrogates the thugs, and they uh, let him in on uh, where Lois is. So, as mentioned, he rescues Lois from the water, and uh, Aquaman sort of, he he and Superman have a bit of a stare-down, standoff, but Aquaman goes zooming away on the back of of one of the sharks, and uh, as Lois fills Superman in on what's going on, uh, and of course, Aquaman, I think when they're in the back of the truck mentions that the mm-hmm. reason he came to the surface originally was on something of a diplomatic mission to try to get uh, these companies, specifically LexCorp, as we find out, uh, for, uh, to stop them testing weapons so close to where uh, Atlantis is, as that's causing uh, havoc on their uh, on their city. So. <laughs> Aquaman, huh? Something wrong? No, it's just that I always thought you were an urban legend. Nothing urban about me. So, you gonna tell me what's going on? 
Some of your people... My people? Surface dwellers. They're about to cause the death of millions. I have to stop them. Uh, Aquaman uh, is determined now after being captured and nearly killed that it's uh, it's time to take more direct action against uh, against this LexCorp sub that's out uh, trying to detonate these weapons tests. Superman and Lois arrive. I love this bit where Superman and Lois crash through the top of the sub and they they have their standoff with uh, with uh, with Luthor. And uh, meanwhile, Aquaman is in the water uh, fighting with uh, Lex's, uh, Lex's guys who have these like weird little sub scooter things mm-hmm. that they're floating around on. And there's a guy with a big drill. And as they're, they're drilling into the earth to prepare this, uh, this bomb test, Superman decides, well, he's got to go, go into the water and help Aquaman. And he leaves by making a different hole in the roof. <laughs> I think that's a, really, that's a really understated funny bit where he, they crash through one hole and then he crashes out uh, in, another, in another hole to leave to go help uh, Aquaman in the water. Of course, he, uh, Aquaman and Superman do defeat all of Lex's men seemingly. And uh, as Aquaman and Superman arrive back on the surface... Uh, let's just say all bets are off and uh, Aquaman is is done talking at this point. <laughs> That's right. We get the the appearance of uh, the rest of the Atlantean war force. Lots of uh, weaponized subs. We see what I've dubbed as Aquaman's whale force one, <laughs> uh, which is this gigantic like uh, what can only be described as the Max Fleischer Superman era painting of this like gigantic whale shaped mm-hmm. submarine it's like the the windows are the teeth and it's kind of like squared off i don't know how it's in any way functional whatsoever but sure it's uh it's shaped like a giant whale and then we have uh all these other weapons and they basically have pulled all of their weapons up and they're pointing them at the ship uh and telling lex that uh the time for talking has ended and now it's time for action as you mentioned Sounds like your assets are getting kicked. Will you please get her out of here? My pleasure. Now then, arm for detonation. But our own men are still down there. And their beneficiaries will be well compensated. Luthor said to get you out of there, but he didn't say to where. Oh, no, you don't, you... Ready, sir. Very good. It's over, Luthor. Maybe for now. No, forever. Uh, but uh, at the last second, Superman steps in and tells him, uh, "Nope, can't do this. You won't do this. I'll defend them." And uh, this leaves Aquaman a bit uh, taken aback as he reminds Superman that not only are these uh, are these eco terrorists uh, polluting the ocean, but they're also polluting the same sky that Superman flies. And uh, Superman is quick to step in and mention to him that not all of the people of uh, of the surface are like Lex Luthor; that there are people that are fighting. Uh, against him and uh, to stop the pollution and such. So this causes Aquaman to back down, 
but he uh, threatens that uh, they'll be watching. Uh, the very arrogant and uh, and boisterous ship's captain that uh, attempted to throw uh, uh, Lois overboard uh, at one point in the midst of this uh, chicanery uh, is uh, is decides that he's going to take matters into his own hands at this point, And he gets a harpoon gun uh, or mans the harpoon gun and fires it at Aquaman. Uh, Aquaman, who has cat-like reflexes. I know cats are not, I assume they're not marine life. Uh, Catfish-like reflexes. Catfish-like, oh, good, good, <laughs> yes. Catfish-like reflexes, uh, flips around, catches the harpoon right in front of his chest. And uh, let's just say the return fire is uh, is not exactly on the same level of a, of a harpoon being launched as uh, they completely decimate Lex's uh ship and uh this causes lex to flee get into his helicopter lex force one i guess or what's the name of the president's helicopter is that air force is that uh, air force two i forget what they call the helicopter but uh yeah it's lex's helicopter equivalent uh to the president's and flies off with mercy and uh leaving all of his men behind to suffer the consequences as uh, aquaman's and the atlanteans just can fire off a barrage against the uh luther ship causing it to sink uh superman stands by protecting lois uh but is left to see the sinking ship as it's going down and aquaman gives an ominous warning that uh he'll he'll cease uh cease the attack that they were planning at this time the response to the uh, service dwellers but he promises that the atlanteans will be watching as they uh as they uh, return to the water, uh, sinking back down as Superman and Lois are left to watch. And... Enough! Tell the surface dwellers to respect the sovereignty of my seas, or we'll return and finish what we've started. episode it's a very odd place to uh Mm -hmm. to uh to end it and i think uh as we get into our our plot scores here liam this is a very weird episode uh (laughs) tonally it's very strange um i feel like and i don't know if it i think you mentioned we have three different names credited at the top uh, that had their hands in this mm-hmm. story. All all people that are well respected and wrote good Absolutely. good episodes. Is it Mr. Fogel and Miss Bader and and Alan Burnett? Right. Yes, it's a story credit for uh, Alan Burnett. Just gets the story by, and then the the written by is uh, is Mr. Fogel and and uh, and Hillary Bader. So yeah, there's yeah three three regular you know regulars that we talk about all the time on the show who have all written and uh, penned great episodes by themselves and uh, and and in collaboration with each other before so i just i i i don't know about you and i will get your thoughts here but mm-hmm. i i think it just tonally it changes it changes very quickly we have that weird comedy scene with jimmy that is 
kind of shoehorned in there, which is good. It's lighthearted, but again, doesn't really fit with the rest of the episode. I don't know if it's because I've seen similar stories told in the last 30 years, but the idea that Aquaman is sort of responding because of pollution and that's his response is to attack the, like that's his motivation for wanting to uh or be at odds with the surface dwellers uh i don't know feels kind of old hat now so i i really don't like that motivation as a uh like as why could i don't know why his motivation couldn't just be lex captured him like why isn't mm-hmm. I, like the motivation I guess the motivation to bring him to the surface would have been, it is fine, but like, isn't it enough that he's the King of Atlantis and he like, this is sort of like an act of war by somebody on the, on the surface towards this. Couldn't you just use that as the motivation? Because the stuff at the end where he's like, Oh, well they're polluting our oceans and they're, you know, destroying this. And it just, it feels like a tacked on, um, I don't know, like a like a talking point that somebody was like, yeah, let's 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 make Aquaman really concerned about the environment, which, again, you can draw real world parallels in your stories, but it just feels a little bit like a PSA. Like it feels a little bit out of like 80s G.I. Joe PSA, like don't pollute the ocean, kids, which, again, is a good message. Don't we shouldn't pollute the ocean, but it just feels like it just feels so lame for this character, especially this characterization with this voice and the way that he kind of acts in this episode for that to be his main motivation. I don't know. Um, it, it feels also weird that he's, if he was so mad about all this stuff that he just kind of steps down when Superman's like, no, you can't do this. It's like, well, why doesn't he put up a fight against Superman? Why doesn't like, who is Superman to him? Superman sort of intimates that he knows him, or knows about him because when they he sees Aquaman for the first time riding the shark, he goes, "Is that who I think it is?" And she goes, "Yeah, Aquaman in the flesh." Yeah, so it's like, there's, well, there's a line earlier where she she mentions Aquaman as something of an urban legend in mm-hmm. I don't know if that's in the world or in Metropolis only or or what, but so there's the idea that he he has been active for some time enough that he has something of a reputation, even though. It seems there's no, I guess there would be no news footage of him or no, no one has seen him until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. It's, it feels weird that he was ready to, to wipe Luthor off the face of the earth. And he feels like this, you know, he was captured. He was literally, he's the king of this country and he was taken captive against his will and held held for like testing it you know they were going to do tests on him and stuff and they tried to kill him also but he's so quick to back down to superman it just i don't know it just doesn't feel it just felt like that last little sequence was very rushed in that they were just like all right we got to wrap things up superman's gonna fly in and just be like no you can't do that and he's gonna be like okay i won't do that um and then but then it also is is left very ominously. And again, you know, I don't know at this point, this is very late in the run, I believe of the Superman episodes. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you know, final, final few episodes here. So uh, I don't know if they had, it feels like things are kind of left on a, like, like uh, on a, 
on a note to continue this story <laughs> at some point because he's like, we'll be watching. And the right. episode literally ends with like this crescendo of music that feels like it's the end of part one. And we uh, never yeah. got anything else. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, so I was going to say this feels like part one of two and we just never got a part two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think knowing where the shows would go in the future you could say that the enemy below two-parter does pick up a lot of these themes mm-hmm. um, as far as Aquaman having a contentious relationship with the surface world and, and sort of being very aggressive in defending his, uh, you know, his sovereign nation against uh, what is it? It's like the nuclear sub or whatever that sinks in that episode. Mm-hmm. So uh, it does get picked up, but that's like two shows from now. And as we said, uh, we, we review the, you know, in a bubble, I don't feel like this is a very satisfying ending. And it does feel like it's setting up some broader conflict where either Superman is going to have to take a side one way or the other, or, you know, something, something's got to give here. Um, or there has to be like a, a third threat that pops up where Superman and Aquaman have to put aside their differences and fight together, which I guess they kind of do because they stop a guy from drilling a hole and the bombs from going off. But yeah, it's just, it just feels like uh, I, I agree. Like I think the idea of Aquaman was captured and they just kind of have them in a tank. Like they're not, I guess the, the doctor's talking about wanting to run experiments on him and figure out where he's from and everything. But mm-hmm feels like that would be a bigger deal and then once he reveals that he's the king of a of a nation under the sea that has this incredibly credible military it feels like well that seems like something that like i don't know general hardcastle or one of our you know military characters we've introduced on this show would care about and so it feels like you're setting up for this broader conflict between as you said aquaman aquaman and the atlanteans against the surface with Superman kind of caught in the middle of it, but we don't, we don't get that at least not in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does feel a little, uh, a little stunted. And yeah, the, the first, the first maybe, you know, five to eight minutes of this have a very, like a very light and almost like, I don't know, like a, I was going to say like a, like, I don't want to say ET, but like that flavor of movie where like, you discover the thing and then the bad guys are after you because they want to capture the thing, you know, the alien or whatever. And so he and Lois are on the run and he's like, let's drive over the cliff. And it's like, and it's like, it has this weird, like eighties teen adventure feel to it in some weird way to me. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't like dislike a, that. As I mean, it also felt a little bit of a romance there too. Right. Isn't right. Like a, he's hitting on her. Like I can ask the sharks if they're hungry. Like, right, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he has like a little bit of a, like a, like, yeah, yeah. He's teasing her a little bit. And, and so you, and he, he saves her from the, uh, the, the, the thugs and, and then Superman literally rises out of the water and takes her away from him. So mm-hmm. yeah, it feels like there's, there's, if this had had a part two, you know, there's, there's something here where, you know, Superman and Aquaman either come to blows or are about to, and Lois maybe has to take a role as sort of peacemaker to help them see whatever the the larger threat is here. But yeah, as it stands, it's it's a little bit uneven as a plot, and um, we'll get to it in the in the visuals a little bit. It's just the action just isn't very interesting in the episode either. Um, for for introducing this character who's a guy who can breathe and fight underwater and is strong and fast and, and all this stuff. It's, 
it's it's all right. Like there's there's some clever ideas, like the shark, uh, you know, looking like it eats Lois, and then you find out it's it's saved her. Like that's kind of a fun sequence, and then. Uh, the squid rising to uh, to pick up Aquaman and uh, and Lois to bring her out of the water when she's thrown in at the end. That's kind of fun, but it just doesn't feel like we get the the maximum enjoyment out of like what what the fun of a character like Aquaman is Agreed. either. And Agreed. and we'll, again, we'll talk about that. And maybe that's on the limitations of who was animating this episode. But uh, yeah, as it as it stands. I like I said I kind of like the first half of it when it's a little bit lighter and more and almost comedic, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah the the second the that final act just takes a very different tone and then to me it doesn't really have a great payoff because again it's like well Lex 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 is caught testing bombs and he's like well this is international waters you can't stop me <laughs> but then he does try to murder superman and aquaman and lois lane and i'm pretty sure if you try to murder someone in international waters you could still be like arrested <laughs> and extradited for that let's say otherwise wouldn't everybody just go to international waters to do their murdering like right. I, i'm not a murderer so i don't know how to think i wouldn't necessarily think like one but if i would if i was a murderer right sound like oj simpson now <laughs> if i was a murderer this is how i'd do it like i yeah it seems like everybody would just go to the middle of the ocean <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you can you can still be uh you know, no jurisdiction somebody. here. Yeah, you, if, can't, if... you can't try a husband and wife for the same crime. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah. So uh, all that all that to be said, I think there's some fun, but the second half and the kind of weird tonal shift and the lack of like a real payoff for the conflict that's being set up mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up on a on a pretty low four out of ten for my flat score. Yeah, I was uh, I was generous by one point. Uh, I gave it a five out of ten. There is, I mean, I do like the the action of the like. I, it's kind of cool seeing Lex's ship get destroyed. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how. Do you think there were multiple? That's a pretty big ship. There was probably a big staff there. I'd like to say there's probably some death that occurred. Uh, there's so. no record of Superman saving anybody from drowning either. Uh, so, did Superman let some people die? Maybe we don't know. Uh, but, we but yeah, see a lot of them in the water, like like yelling and shaking their fists at Lex as he flies away in the helicopter. Maybe they're maybe they're uh, they're team members with the scuba diving gear. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, very very interesting. Uh, I I mean, it's kind of cool just seeing the barrage that they they give off, just destroying Lex's uh, Lex's ship there. Um, yeah, I, I think the Jimmy sequence in the parking lot, albeit maybe tonally, doesn't fit with everything else was funny like it's kind of it's it felt kind of out of like the like the old superman movies like it would be in like one of the christopher reeve movies you could definitely see that sequence uh of of just kind of like relatable comedy of like not knowing how to drive a stick shift or you know looking not being able to find a parking place all that stuff like yeah it's fine funny and relatable um but I I just think, you know, it uneven is probably the word that I would use for this episode. And with the episodes that this show had with guest stars, let's see, uh the Batman excluded, right? Batman's the Batman's it's it's hard to mess up a Superman Batman crossover, but mm. uh I would say Dr. Fate we didn't love. <laughs> I'm sure. pretty sure sure that's in the bad episode jar. Uh we liked the the green lantern episode 
Um, we did not like this episode. The Legion of Superheroes episode was okay. I don't remember loving or hating that episode. Um, yeah, like it's it feels like you're kind of gifted a cheat code in this and having a crossover, and it feels a little bit like fumbling the ball the ball on the goal line because you instead of punching it in for the touchdown to to use an uh, American football colloquialism, mm. uh, you know, so it. It feels like maybe the expectation was a little bit higher. Like, hey, let's let's have a really fun, uh, fun crossover episode where you introduce this character. We like the Flash episode too, I guess. Before, yeah. before we get some angry tweets, but um, yeah, I, I would say that this one, I get it. Aquaman's an interesting character and maybe one that's difficult to characterize, especially in this time before you had like the cool badass Jason Momoa version to <laughs> to fall back on. He was he was the Super Friends guy that talks to fish. You know, he's, he's... Say they did they did make a decision to not adapt, although they did change that later again in Justice League to do the at the time current long hair hook handed aquaman they chose to do the the very archetypal classic uh version of the character which is in line with a lot of you know the way they would uh they would with some with some exceptions how they would generally look at adapting characters into this the ccau at least at this point but i did read a note also that i think that uh i believe it was mr fogel who said that they decided to sort of base the characterization a little bit more off of uh namor uh, mm. from from uh from the marvel comics because he's always he's always hitting on sue storm right there, so. it, there you go uh so it you know maybe maybe taking that uh and it, trying to make it a super serious character while not necessarily fleshing out um the motivation in a way that makes sense for the entirety of the episode sort of kind of suffered uh when it comes to our plot here so uh lower scores maybe than one would expect for a crossover episode liam all right let's move on to our next category and uh we've been dancing around it we've been mentioning it several times here we might as well start off with the aforementioned design in uh visuals and animations here of our aquaman here liam i gotta ask you are you team orange shirt and green (laughs) pants are you team long yellow hair and hook hand well, this is tough because I, being that I was born in 1993, I have a great deal more affinity for the long hair and hook hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that orange and green, as weird as that, and as much of like a color clash as that should be, mm-hmm. there is something just innately iconic about this this classic Aquaman look. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe this this fits better for this more sort of aloof, like we said, like you just said, a more Namor based version of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think it works, but it's not uh, it's not my preferred version. They've kind of combined the two looks in the in the current DC comics. They've given him back the long hair and the beard, but he doesn't have the hook anymore, and he's in the the classic orange and green suit. So. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's a there's a there's a gift somewhere in the middle but i i don't i didn't i wasn't adversely affected i do remember at the time being a kid and this is before i really understood the difference between uh on screen and comic continuities uh not understanding why he looks so much different than he did in the adventures in the dc universe uh uh and animated style uh comics that were uh were on shelves at the time that we would get so which was just adapting the straight 
hook handed bearded Aquaman. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's uh, it's I I I'm glad we got this look because I think I would always wonder what if mm. <laughs> if we didn't get that that Bruce Tim style classic Aquaman. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, nah, give me give me the hook. Give me the hook hand. He barely even uses a trident. He uses it one time in this episode. He's he's so bare bones in this episode. Yeah, he's too busy riding sharks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm team long haired and beard. I don't know. Just something about a clean cut Aquaman that just feels I don't know. He needs to have that hyper masculine look to me. Give him the hairy chest and the uh, well, he didn't have a hairy chest in in the uh, in the JLU look, but comic book wise, he typically is a rugged uh, sort of like a mm-hmm. uh, a Marty Stauffer looking guy uh, a, from a, a Wild a America bit, show. Yeah, he's a bit he's a bit Arthurian uh, for pun, sure. Pun, pun very much intended, but he's got yeah, he's got the. It's it's still very regal and mm-hmm. and king like, but yes, the the long the long flowing hair and the bushy beard is, uh, I think uh, I think it adds a lot to that uh, that design. Plus, when you're underwater, the hair flow, you know, mm-hmm. just I mean, look at what it's done for Jason Momoa. I mean, <laughs> that guy was just a normal looking fellow that nobody would have looked twice at, and then suddenly you give him CGI flowing hair, and here he is <laughs> on the cover of GQ. <laughs> I kid, of course. But uh, yeah, in the rest of the episode, um, let's talk about Group TAC and Jade Animation because, woo-wee, they, uh, you know, they've developed quite the reputation here. They're kind of neck and neck with uh, with another one of our, our <laughs> least favorite animation studios. They're they're not quite at that level, but they are uh, are creeping up there as far as notoriously bad for their reputation here. Uh, this this group also did Superman's Pal, uh, most fam- maybe infamously, uh, another episode that we just absolutely decimated and uh, did not care for. But mm-hmm. seems like they got a bunch of episodes here in the uh, the last little run of uh, of of Superman the Animated Series episodes. I think we may have talked about that before. Speculation that uh, the other studios were working on, I guess, Beyond at the time and T- uh, and the new yeah, Batman there, Adventures, there, maybe? We are into that period where where Batman Beyond, I guess, I mean, this is airing in May. Batman Beyond debuts in September of 99, I believe. So it's like where this is the period where they're working on all three shows at the same time. So uh, I'm sure there was... Uh, th- things, uh, things were a little rough in the... <laughs> in what and what the uh, the animation studios were able to take on at this point uh but with uh yeah so this this is specifically a joint between yes this group tac company and uh and jade who partnered with jade on all their superman episodes jade had uh, previously done some work on batman with uh some uh, including the very memorably terrible uh terrible trio episode uh <laughs> once again pun intended uh but uh yeah it's that's that was my main thing whereas like if nothing else in this episode a lot of it takes place underwater and there's sharks and squids and flying fish and sea turtles and all manner of marine life it should really be more interesting and exciting than it is um i think the best bit and it's also something i think after we we very recently had a friend of the show kevin altieri on again and he mentioned like, hey, some studios aren't great at like keeping people on model, but they're really good at something else. Mm-hmm. And so you storyboard to their strengths as a, as a studio. And I thought that was a really so I was trying to look at like, OK, what's something that it's clear 
this uh, TAC group and Jade do well. I like the way the water is animated, especially in the last uh, scene when the the big uh, the big ship uh, comes out of the water. Aquaman's uh, sub ca- comes out of Whale Force One, as you called it. <laughs> like the way the water kind of cascades off of it and creates almost this giant tidal wave, mm-hmm. and then when it sinks back down to the water at the end, it kind of creates this whirlpool as it's going down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they do a really good job there. Um, as far as like faces and people being on model. And like the animation feeling the least bit fluid. Oh boy, this is this is just not a lot of this is just not a lot to write home about here. Um, and again, also like the environments for our actual like fights in this episode. Aquaman's punching some guys in a junkyard. <laughs> um, and then we have this bit underwater. I do like the bit where Superman's tangling with the giant drill. And he stops the drill with his hands, and then <laughs> the and the and then the sub starts spinning because mm-hmm. he's he stopped the drill. That's a fun bit of uh, of visual comedy there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I just I just thought like for the amount of cool looking stuff in this episode, a lot of good designs, like uh, like we said, uh, it, it it should be better. It should be more interesting to look at. And uh, and the other thing I, I noticed was that Jade uh, doesn't seem to be good at registering like emotion on and maybe that maybe that comes some of that is on storyboard artists as well. But uh, like like that last scene when the Atlanteans start opening fire and Lois like yells, no, and they cut to Lex and he's like, get us out of here. And everyone is just like stone faced, like mm. their faces do not match the tone of their voice acting at all. Mm-hmm. um and i so i just thought like there's there's not a lot of great stuff and it's not like everyone anyone's super off model i know in superman's pal we had some real issues with scaling and and people being off model i didn't really get the sense that they're off model so much in this episode as they are just like real stiff and rigid and and not not particularly expressive yeah, their faces move around a lot too. Like when they're standing still, like they're they're I don't know, like there's this weird shifting. There's a couple of close up shots of Lois's face where her eyes seem to be moving from frame to frame. Mm. Very odd. Um I also like that opening shot. I know that killer whales like jump out of the water, like Free Willy obviously is maybe mm-hmm. the most notorious and a memorable example of a of a killer whale jumping out of the water but the killer whales in that opening scene appear to jump like 50 feet in the air um so <laughs> it's just something it was like clearly got lost in the translation of like this is, they aren't superheroes like they aren't flying yeah. whales like why are they so high in the air um yeah that that was odd um i guess maybe i should talk about a couple of the things I did like. I did like the shot of Aquaman catching the harpoon. Again, I don't understand how cool. yeah. how he, how he did it. He maybe one of his maybe one of his seagull spies told him that <laughs> it was coming towards him or something. I don't know, but it, just the shot of him turning around and him just kind of st- death staring the yeah. uh the uh, the the ship captain before this opening shot uh or the the first shot is fired. 
uh, from from uh, Atlantis' side. I, I did like that. Um, I guess we should also mention all the explosions in that sequence are reused from various different Superman episodes. According to DCAU Wiki, they picked mm-hmm. out the episodes. So if you're interested, I think one of them was the Volcana episode. Uh, one of them is from a Metallo episode. And I, the third one escapes me. Um yeah, I think uh, one of the things, speaking of Max Fleischer, I've mentioned Whale Force 1 reminds me of something right out of a Max Fleischer uh, Superman uh, short. Uh, one of the things that I did see that seemed to be perhaps a direct homage or reference to the Fleischer Superman, uh, uh, very specifically, there's an image in, I believe it's Superman versus the Mechanical Monsters. Uh, we reviewed that way back in the archives. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check that one out if you're interested. But there's a very famous sequence where uh, Superman spreads his cape out to, to protect Lois uh, from this molten lava that's pouring down on her. And he spreads his cape out. He act- We actually saw that sequence repeat itself later on in an episode of Superman the Animated Series also. But then at, in that sequence where Lois and uh, in, in this episode where Lois and Superman are on the top of this whale ship and uh, all of Atlantis is firing its weapons at, at Lex's ship. Uh, if you just look down kind of in the lower middle of the uh, sequence, you can see Superman standing in front of Lois with his cape spread out, which I thought was it's kind of cool. Like that's a neat little detail that they did there that didn't have to be there. He could have just been shielding her, but again, kind of draws off of that inspiration that so much of this show was uh, drawn to a neat little detail. Um, but yeah, the rest rest of the episode for as interesting as a subject, as you mentioned, the Superman with the drill part, I thought was pretty fun. Uh, but you really have a lack of interaction with a lot more Marine life. Yes. You get the sharks, um, but I really wanted to see more, uh, more marine life. Like I want to see big squids in action, uh, taking mm-hmm. out the guys under the water. I want to see, you know, seahorses, giant seahorses come in. Like we didn't get any of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with the, the, the type of, of action that we saw from the animals. But again, maybe that's, that's something that the studio wasn't comfortable with uh, animating other than the, you know, we get the, the shark fake devouring Lois and then bringing her out of the water. Um, so, yeah, I was a little underwhelmed, I guess, with the, uh, the Marine life interaction. So uh, all of that to say um, really not a, a great looking episode. Yeah. Uh, I thought the sequence with Lois taking the motorcycle over the cliff was fun when she asks him if uh, she hopes he can fly. And then the next scene is them just tumbling towards the water and <laughs> landing in the water. That was interesting. Um, Superman crushing the hands of Lex's uh, aforementioned motorcycle guys was kind of cool too. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some close-up shots there of Superman looking very menacing. Feels like he, I think this, uh, as far as air date is concerned, this is after he uh, he posed as Batman uh, in the uh, in the crossover <laughs> episode. So maybe he was really embracing that role of, of being more intimidating in this episode. But um, yeah, as far as the the images and the the way that the animation really really not uh, consistent or solid animation throughout maybe good for what this uh this animation studio could do but again that's like saying it's the best acom episode it's not necessarily a uh a compliment <laughs> when it comes to jade and group tac so uh, i ended up giving animation visuals a four out of ten for this week's episode what about you 
Yeah, I gave it the same score. Uh, higher than I believe I gave Superman's Pal a zero out of ten. So <laughs> you know, you can only sometimes you can only go up from uh, from where you start once you hit rock bottom. But uh, yeah, like I said, I think there are some cool visual moments uh, in the episode. I like this. I feel like you said like the Aquaman ship has really nice scale to it, and the way the water cascades off of it. Uh, the whale attack is, at the beginning is kind of funny. Uh, I think, and uh, I will just mention that's another we've we've talked before. This show, this Superman show, uh, it may not have quite the litany of predictions that came true that the that the Simpsons had, but we've already talked about in past episodes. They predicted the Space Force, mm-hmm. and here we are. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, looked at the news recently. There's like there's been like an exceptional amount of killer whale attacks mm-hmm. in the last. Mm-hmm. of them damaging ships and sinking <laughs> ships uh-huh. uh now those the whales in real life are a lot smarter and they just go right for the propellers right they don't, they don't like ram their heads into it until they crack the boat in half but uh but yes i was like here's another another uh modern news item predicted by superman the animated series so we're gonna have to start like a uh, a, a litany or, or a list here to uh, to keep track of. Because Add it to the wiki page, like DCAU events that have come <laughs> true in real life or predicted the, that predicted the future. Absolutely. So I just wanted to mention that. But uh, yeah, overall, not a not a super strong episode. My other thought was like, I don't know why it didn't necessarily click with me. Or have we ever talked about how Bibbo is just Popeye? <laughs> I think we have mentioned it before. He's got like the he thin- has like the one eye. That yep. was what, what what I was drawn to immediately in this in this one. He doesn't have the pipe, but he has like it's the the, you know, the sailor's house, and he has like the one eye is permanently closed, and he has the little just the little black dots. There's no whites in his eye. It's it's like oh, he's just Popeye. Like I. Yep. I I don't know. I guess we just haven't seen, we haven't done an episode that featured Bibbo in a while or something, but I was like, oh yeah, I don't know if we've ever talked about that before. It's his, uh, according to the DCAU wiki, this episode is his swan song. Uh, as far as vocally is concerned, he does appear in Hereafter in Justice League, but uh, does not have a speaking part, ironically. Which is weird episode. because Brad Garrett's in that episode. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would have figured they would have gotten him to do a, a one-liner or something as, as Bibbo, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe they felt it would be too distracting. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category, which is going to be music. Uh, Lolita Ritmanis, responsible for the music. And uh, I would say this is, uh, this is I don't know, I, I don't think that there's any, there's not a lot of standout hummable themes, but I do think that maybe music has the chance at being the best category for this episode, uh, just because it, it does I felt like it did punctuate the action scenes um, and the, the it kind of ups the ante a lot in the uh, in the scenes, creating more tension and creating more drama, uh, especially with the, you know, when Lois discovers first discovers him, uh, him being Aquaman trapped underneath the uh, underneath the. Uh, the uh, the center wherever they are the the sign the lab the lab where they are mm-hmm. um, and uh, there's sort of this like weird weird tune that plays when she discovers him uh, didn't know where to insert this either but the sound design for the Aquaman uh, telepathy usage 
it's not it's not the same classic sound effect from Super Friends, but it's clearly in the same neighborhood. Like they were <laughs> like, do this, but play it just a little bit differently. Obviously not music, but uh, I did appreciate that. Never know when to when to where when and where to insert that. But um, I would say the standout piece for me is the. Uh, is the final piece where uh, they unleash uh, unleash hell on Lex's ship and uh, it just kind of crescendos and continues to crescendo and continues mm-hmm. to crescendo until uh, the the firing stops. And again, we have this very intimidating warning from Aquaman at the very end where he, he threatens and says, you know, we'll be watching in his, uh, in his Aquaman mm-hmm. voice. Uh, but, and then crescendos at like the cutoff and the fade to black. So um, yeah, very, very interesting. I didn't think there was anything too different about the music. It's pretty, as far as standard fare for the, the show, there was no, not a lot unique about the, the instruments that were used. It's horns, it's strings, it's your classic orchestral themes. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the action sequences, the, the sequence with, uh, them being chased on the motorcycle, all of that stuff is, is punctuated pretty well. And Miss Ritmanis did a, uh, quite, quite the, uh, the good job here as far as the, the pieces that were chosen for this episode. Yeah, I always feel like when we come to Superman, and I guess we'll find out if that was just a, a new Batman Superman Adventures theme or something specific for this show. I always notice the percussion a little bit more in Superman because it's not it's not heavy, but it's just you'll just hear these these big booming you know toms or or, or kick drums that they bring in there that uh, that always punctuate with the. Uh, with the with those big moments like when the ship's sinking you kind of get these very very grand horns that they kind of start out high and then sort of descend as as the ship starts to go down and i thought that was very clever as a way to sort of match what's happening on the screen and then you just get these very simple you know almost sounds like war drums or something going just you know these these single beats against uh against the music there i think uh, does a pretty good job so uh yeah i i ended up with a pretty strong score for music just because maybe maybe i was just desperate to find something good to say about this episode but uh i ended up giving music a seven out of ten yeah i gave it the exact same score seven out of ten i think uh, as i mentioned the final sequence is probably my favorite of the episode but uh overall it's i think it's solid across the board and all right, Liam, let's move on to our final category of the day, and that's going to be our voice acting. And uh, not a huge cast to discuss here, uh, but we do have uh, several of our series regulars and, uh, and uh, of course, a guest star as our Aquaman. So let's go ahead and delve into this week's voice cast. Uh, yeah, a couple of fun minor players, one being Billy West, who's playing uh, one of the uh, one of Lex's uh, henchmen. Uh, best known probably as Fry on Futurama. Uh, he's also, I think he's still doing Bugs Bunny in a lot of the more recent Looney Tunes stuff. Oh, wow. huh. uh, I don't, I'm not sure if he, uh, if he's passed that on to someone else, but uh, he was doing Bugs Bunny in uh, the Looney Tunes show and some of those more recent revivals that they had done. But he's just playing one of the background guys in this. But it's uh, it's one of those voices you could you what's once you hear it, you're like, "Oh, that's somebody." That's, uh, I, th- I thought it, I thought it maybe it was Tom Kenny at first, but no, it's the other guy who's in every cartoon, uh, <laughs> being Billy West. But uh, and then uh, also in there we have uh, Stuart Pankin as uh, as uh, as Doctor Cardi, 
and uh he's a he's one of those guys with i think a, a really recognizable face he was in things like congo fatal attraction and uh he was one of the anchors on not necessarily the news which is like a i guess a proto daily show type or weekend update snl type show mm. um that ran in the in the 80s and 90s uh but uh, i believe he's also he's in the zeta project i want to say as well because uh, oh he's well he's actually done quite a few uh he's uh he is the condiment king himself mm-hmm. uh, pretty importantly and then yeah he plays dr tanner oh i know why i recognize his name because he's in the bucky episodes <laughs> hate oh, that guy. oh well, i don't i don't hate this actor i hate i hate the bucky episodes there's yeah, yeah, yeah. those are really depressing when we get one of those <laughs> uh anyway we'll we'll get back to that in the next future uh future months but uh yeah here he is playing dr cardi not a lot for him to do but uh worth worth mentioning and as mentioned just briefly, we do have Brad Garrett as Bibbo, uh, taking taking Lois and Jimmy out on the boat at the start of the episode. Uh, always fun to have him in the mix with uh, David Kaufman as Jimmy, who, again, in the first half of this episode, which as we talked about, we kind of liked better than the the heavier action, you know, uh, environmental drama at the end. Uh, David Kaufman, pretty funny in this episode as Jimmy, uh, both in the opening bit where he almost... Uh, where he gets his camera eaten by a turtle uh-huh. and, uh tur- of course jimmy olsen turtle boy probably not a coincidence mm-hmm. but, uh, but yes and then you you have the the bit with him driving around the parking lot trying to get lois and he's <laughs> informing her that he only has a learner's permit as he's as you just hear the gears grinding of uh of lois's car i think is a good bit um and then yeah. uh yeah we have uh we have clancy brown as lex luthor briefly uh, he's very ge- just generic bad guy in this one. I felt like this was this was like a step down for. He's going to blow up the ocean, <laughs> <laughs> and he can do it because it's an in international waters. He, That's he right. Us. Um, but yeah, let's get to our our main players here. We have uh, Miguel Ferrer as Aquaman, who uh, I think we've talked about a couple other times. He's uh, actually yeah, it's every one of our freaking crossover episodes. Uh, he's in Speed Demons. He's the Weather Wizard, and then he plays uh, the bad guy in Warrior Queen, the Maxima episode. So, yeah, uh, just uh, if you if you need a, if you're doing a DC crossover in this series, you need uh, you need you need this guy in your show. I like him. I mean, it's hard not to hear uh, Scott Rummel who takes over the role in Justice League, um, but I feel like he works as a younger version of that character knowing oh. you know knowing where the character goes in the future he has the same sort of uh very understated uh it's somewhat monotone but i think to, uh purposefully so he's got this very direct way of speaking about him and 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 seems to you know and as we find out he's a king at the end of the episode mm-hmm. so yes it's very mm-hmm. so it kind of makes sense that he's very strict uh straightforward and there's not a lot of uh not a lot of humor to him other than maybe the bit where he and Lois are in the water. Yeah. The late Mr. Fair, um, you know, he had a, I mean, there, that's a deep masculine voice. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to portray this guy, you're trying to like take away the stigma that he's sort of a lame water-based character that can only be useful or intimidating near the water. 
uh you have to uh you have to kind of characterize him a little bit differently than uh than one might expect and having him come across like he sounds like an announcer like he sounds like he could have been a voiceover guy for a commercial announcing you know on the next law and order like you know it's like yes just the ultimate bass voice like quite baritone of him um you know he's he's got a deep voice and i actually do think like it matches well with mr rummels like they they have a similar they have a similar vocal range and cadence i thought so Mm -hmm. i think that it does work well once i mean once we move forward here it does feel like the same character because of they didn't go off and and uh and cast someone that was completely different or that had a different sounding voice. So I did find it believable. Okay. This guy goes back underwater, grows his hair out uh, and starts getting super moody over the fact that earth isn't, uh, isn't, isn't listening or caring about uh, the, the damage that they're doing to their home when he comes back in justice league. So yeah, overall, I, I, I thought the performance, there wasn't a lot that was asked of him as far as emotion. Like we said, there are those couple scenes where, he has to show like show a playful side where he's sort of flirting with Lois. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the real emotion that he kind of shares throughout and, and specifically in that final scene is the I've had enough of this. I'm a king and I'm drawing the line here and we're going to make a statement here. Mm-hmm. And then when Superman steps in, he sort of has this sort of moment of disbelief where he's backing down. But then you know, when the humans show their true side, he warns them again that, Hey, I'm showing you a little bit of grace, this side and only destroy at at this time, only destroying this ship as opposed to whatever else I could destroy, but we're going to be watching. Um, It's a very, very, uh, very intimidating way to leave the episode as we've mentioned a couple of times, but yeah, I, I I thought, uh, I thought his performance doesn't seem like there was much emotion asked for him to show, but for what, what he did need to show, it was, it, for this personification of this character, I thought was effective. Agreed. And then, uh, of course, we have Dana Delaney as Lois Wayne, kind of our co-lead for this one, because Tim Daly Superman, not not in this episode a terrible amount. Nope. Um, it's very much Dana Delaney's episode to carry, and she is good. Um, I don't think she, she doesn't get a lot to do. She's just kind of reacting. But like I said, I, I like her more in the first half when she's bouncing off of either David Kaufman as Jimmy or, uh, or of course, Mister Fair as uh, as Aquaman because I think she just has kind of, like you said, we have that the the bit where she's like, "Oh, you can fly, right?" And he says, "What?" And then they go flying off the cliff is a great is a great, uh, uh, greatly delivered line by uh, by Miss Delaney. So I I do enjoy that. And then uh, of course, Mister Daly is Superman. I yeah, again, he he gets very little to do. I really like that final scene where they're where he and Aquaman are having that very tense standoff and, and Aquaman sort of appealing to him saying, look, they, you know, they're, it's not like they're only polluting the ocean. Like this is going to be a problem for you too. And, and Superman kind of throwing it back that, uh, you know, not, not everyone on the, on the surface is, uh, deserves to be punished for the sins of the few. And, and, uh, if, if you, if you go forward with this, I have to stop you. And there's just, just this really tense standoff that makes you wish there was a part two to this episode. Right. Um, so in the limited play we get between uh, Tim Daly and Mr. Fair as Superman and Aquaman, I think it's great. And then, uh, and then Dana Delaney 
as Lois, like I said, she gets a lot to do. She gets to be a little comedic, and then she's uh, she's kind of our POV character for the whole episode. So, um, all all things considered, I uh, I ended up settling on a on another seven out of ten for my voice acting score. Um, like I said, I, I feel like we had a really good cast here. There just just wasn't a lot for them to do at a certain point, um, and it felt like it felt like the start of something that could have been even better uh but uh but uh, didn't quite get into that and get into that third gear at any point but uh still a solid job yeah i ended up giving it an eight out of ten um yeah i think it's uh i i think it's uh everybody did solid like you said mm-hmm. um i think uh i think lois having to do a lot of the a lot of the work here at uh, dan delaney is fantastic as usual and uh, as we said, Mr. Ferreira, uh, Ferrer did, uh, an, an adequate job on what he was asked to do. Um, yeah. So overall, I think everybody, and, and I do like, like I said, that it, it sort of flows into what the recasting of justice league and justice league unlimited, that it, it worked out to, to the advantage there. I think making, making that character hyper-masculine, uh, maybe even, maybe not with the visuals for this particular episode, but is important to get away from that, uh, that, stereotype that feels like it's outdated now like it was outdated like 20 years ago but it's even more outdated now uh that people still are making jokes about that aquaman can only is only relevant (laughs) when he's near the water or what have you uh but yeah or is only not a very interesting character i think all of that has been proven wrong by now but yeah a a a good solid episode from our voice cast all around and uh reflected in our scores absolutely all right, Liam, let's uh, wrap things up here and uh, with our totals for today. So, uh, again, not a great overall scorecard uh, from me here as we ended up uh, suffering. Our, our episode is suffering from our, <laughs> our my low plot scores and animation scores. But uh, we ended up uh, totaling everything up here. I ended up with a 24 out of 40. What about you? Yeah, and I'm just a couple points lower at a 22 out of 40 um rewatchability unfortunately arguably (laughs) i think you gotta watch this one it's the introduction of an iconic series into this universe character that comes back uh a few times more now obviously we reviewed his second episode first so how integral could it be really (laughs) but uh it's not like they don't explain who aquaman is or that he's the king of atlantis or any of that but say this episode doesn't I mean, it sort of does. It like backdoor pilots the the who Aquaman is. Like, you don't get the origin story. You just get like, oh yeah, he's a king later on. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's the king of Atlantis. Oh yeah, he can talk to fish. Oh yeah, he can like. You, you get sort of like the. It's it's sort of revealed as the episode goes along, but it's not a true origin story for sure. True. So, uh, but yeah, I still say you probably you got to watch this one because it is. It's the introduction of Aquaman into the DCAU, and uh, he's one of, despite some, you know, sixty years or so of, of pop culture uh, taking uh, taking swipes at him, uh, he's one of the most iconic characters in the whole DC universe. So, I think you get, I think you got to watch this one, uh, even if it's uh, like we've said, the whole is just not as good as the sum of its parts, from the characters used to the voice actors to the 
the the soundtrack and everything uh, just that, that the writers who worked on the episode just a lot of a lot of talent involved and it just uh, just didn't come together in a really interesting way but it's still uh still an important episode because it uh, it introduces this character i think yeah um yeah, I'm like teetering between a one thumb up and and two thumbs up for this. Like we don't do half thumbs up, so like I guess it's just like like you said, like you could watch the Justice League episode and that episode does its own job of sort of introducing the Aquaman character, but clearly the characters on the show already know who he is. Um and you don't you don't really I mean, you don't really miss much by not watching this episode, but at the same time, it's like, if you're going to watch, if you're going to recommend Superman episodes, it's like, hey, should I watch the episode with all the crossover episodes? It's like, yeah, like, it's always cool when superheroes cross over. So, yeah, I mean, there's a coolness factor to that. So, yeah, I give it a thumbs up for that. I don't know that it's, I guess, by definition, since it's his first appearance and it is the same character that continues through the show, it's integral. So, I guess, two thumbs up for this one. Uh, but like, if you accidentally skipped it, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world either. Clearly. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, Liam. Uh, well, let's begin to wrap things up. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Uh, if you would like to support the podcast, there, as we remind you each and every week, there are several ways to do so. The first is to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. If you haven't already done so, and if it allows you to leave a review as it does on Spotify, or if it does on Apple podcast, go ahead and leave a five-star review. Uh, Liam, we just got our Spotify wrapped this week, which is, uh, you know, the big thing that all Spotify users celebrate at the end of the year where they share uh, all of their most listened to music and podcasts. And we've been honored to be featured as the number one podcast for over two dozen people like two dozen people <laughs> we're the number one podcast that they listen to absolutely insane that that many people were like in 135 people's top 10 listen podcasts um so we don't take that very lightly and we had a perfect five-star rating all year so uh thank you to our listeners like that's super cool uh, you know, looking at the list of people and the countries that we're listened to, uh, to and uh, that have been listening to the pod and uh, the amount of listeners that we have, all of that is a uh, super encouraging. And, and again, you and I would we've mentioned this before, like we would do this podcast of no one listen because it's fun for us. And, and uh, we did for the first year. So. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, we are we are humbled and honored that people take time out of their weeks to listen to us talk about uh, old <laughs> DC cartoons and, uh, you know, have found a, a reason to uh, keep tuning back in each and every week. So if that is you, if you're listening to this podcast, let us take this moment to say thanks. That's uh, it's humbling and it's uh, super fun that uh, we have people that regularly tune in and listen to us and they're even sh like if you listen to it and you're in your we're on your wrapped and you want to tag us in it we will certainly share that in our story liam's been doing that uh multiple times already so thank you for all all of you who have tuned in and uh continue to tune in and, and uh and listen to the pod it's uh it's pretty awesome liam absolutely uh really really cool to see that and yeah it's like you said our, we can see like you know, percentage wise, our listens are up and our followers are up and all that. And, and, and we appreciate that more people are listening. And uh, as always, we appreciate when you, uh, you share your own thoughts with us, uh, whether that's on Instagram or the artist formerly known as Twitter. 
uh we also appreciate you uh you reaching out so yeah definitely uh definitely tag us if we show up in your in your your spotify uh your rap thing we yeah we really like seeing that it's a it's a nice little uh serotonin boost and uh and uh yeah like like like, like cal said it's just uh it's just fun to uh to have even more people out there that want to uh want to chat about this stuff with us because it's uh it's a hoot and uh the the party continues next week cal in installment number two of of the aforementioned aqua phantasma that is right liam we uh we are returning once again to one of our favorite elseworlds uh (laughs) to discuss uh i don't want to hype this up too much but it's been hyped up to me from you uh as maybe your favorite (laughs) comedy episode let's just say that because we we know that you have some some others that take that spot in the top that we've already reviewed but uh it, it will be returning to the world of batman the brave and the bold with a aquaman centric episode and uh we've we've gotten a little bit of taste of the aquaman character mm-hmm. in a couple of the episodes but uh from what i what i've heard from you this is the full aquaman sh- experience and showcase uh in, in batman the brave and the bold absolutely we're viewing none other than aquaman's outrageous adventure next week uh aquaman and uh, and mira and their their little son go on a road trip across america and uh have various team-ups with various characters from that brave and the bold show so uh it's uh, it's the full it's the full aquaman brave and the bold experience and uh i can't wait to uh to get back to it have not seen this episode in years so uh spirits are high as we head towards that review <laughs> That's right. Uh, don't forget, also, if you want to support the podcast directly, you can check out the show notes. There's a link there to directly support us uh, with a monthly donation if you'd like to, or check out the store. Uh, we just had some Black Friday celebrations. I'm sure there's going to be additional sales for the rest of the month. You won't want to miss. Liam, can't wait to revisit the Batman, the Brave, and the Bold next week with you. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we will talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.